0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. You may have trouble explaining God's salvation and judgment to people. In fact, you may not even understand it yourself, which is okay, and we're so glad you joined us today on Changed by Love. For a follower of Jesus, no matter what happens to us, we have God's guarantee that in the end, He will save us from all trouble and even from our greatest enemy, death. Yet so many do not have that promise, which explains why many have a fear of death. In Daniel chapter 6, we see this beautiful picture of this in the life of Daniel. Here's Pastor Jim in part 2 of his message, Delivered from Death. Here's a quiz I gave to the last service.
1: They didn't do so good on this. We'll see how you do. How many of you slept last night? How many of you slept last night? Some of you aren't so sure if you did or not. Okay. Did you notice that the world survived while you slept? It did. It was fine. You made it here. You know, you could sit and read your Bible or stand and read your Bible or kneel and read your Bible or lay in bed and read your Bible. If you'd like me, you'd fall asleep. And guess what? The world will be fine. The world will be fine. So why don't you just read your Bible, spend time with God, and enjoy the Lord's protection during that time? Try to forget about the rest of the world. I just keep a, a pad, two pads. One's I think what God is saying. The other one is all the dumb stuff that I remember. You know, all of a sudden, you, know, you forget everything. You ever forget everything? Until you read your Bible. Then all of a sudden you become like you know, like a superhero, like, oh my gosh, what a memory I have. Well, I just put all the stuff down, you know, and uh, that I got, got to remember. In fact, I'm so geeky that I put L5, M5. And so if it takes me less than five minutes, I write in the L5 and more than five minutes, I write in the M5. And so I just get it out of my head and then I go back to God. I'm like, sorry, just, just keep talking to me. And so I love also with Daniel, again, there's no complaining. He's only giving glory to God who was proven to be the living God, who saves and delivers his people from death. And that is the great hope and the great promise that followers of Jesus have. Verse 23 says, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him. He liked Daniel. One version says the king was overjoyed and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den So Daniel was taken up out of the den. Now, this is very important. It says, and no injury. Some versions say no wound or or another version says he was uninjured. So no injury was found on him because he believed in his God. Some of your versions say he trusted in his God. So here he is. He's told, hey, if you pray to your God, you go in the lion's den. He goes, okay, goes home for lunch, and what's he doing? Facing Jerusalem and praying. And they take him to the lion's den. We have no, we have no you know, nothing of him objecting, worry about that. He's like, okay, okay. For, for 70 years, this guy plus, 70 plus years, this guy has worked in a hostile work environment, been in exile in a foreign land, And so now they tell him, and he's seen plenty of people get killed. Now they tell him, if you pray to anybody but the king, we're going to throw you in a lion's den. He knows they mean business. And what does he do? Knowing full well this is where he's going to end up, he prays. This is what I would call radical trust. Every week we talk about trusting Jesus. This is radical trust. Dare I say, this is epic trust. This is the kind of trust I, I can only think like, I, could I really do that? I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. This is, and it was written before Daniel. This is David saying this, Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that God doesn't always protect his people like this. We know that. Plenty of people have died for their faith. We talked about that a few weeks ago in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews. But he's always with us. And he can always save us and save save his people from eternal death. King Darius in this situation somewhat reminds me of the Apostle Thomas with Jesus. So we're fast forwarding now into New Testament times, some maybe 550, 575 years later. And um, it's almost like you get the impression, I get the impression from verse 23 here that he's like, bring him closer to me. Like, I got to check this out. He told me, he goes, oh, I'm fine. He's yelling up, I'm fine. No harm, came to me, no problem. And they yank him out. And he, and he he's almost says to the guys who pull him out, bring him here. I want to I wanna see if there's no scratches on him. I want to go see if they didn't take a nick out of him or something like that. And there's, there's no mark on him. He wants to examine Daniel just like Thomas did and, and thinking to himself, how could he possibly be alive? I'm sure he's glad but sometimes when things happen, do you ever have something happen that you're glad it happened, but you just can't get your arms around it? You're just like, I can't, I can't, I can't really get this. And, and Daniel, instead of being like, well, I told you so, is like Jesus, he's like, you want to check it out. You can check it out. After Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, we read this in John chapter 20. Verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus. Now, if some of you might be pregnant or having another child or something like that, and you're trying to decide between Thomas and Didymus, let me give you some advice. (laughs) Choose Thomas. Um, (laughs) That's why we, we don't call him Doubting Didymus. We call him Doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is one of the things I love about God becoming a man in the person of Jesus Christ. That we can read about Jesus Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I say nothing unless the Father tells me. You can watch Jesus. You can read about Jesus. And and you understand how very personal Jesus is. Jesus says to him, you can touch me. That's how close I am to you. That's why I tell people when they start reading the Bible, they're like, where should I touch? Where should I start? Usually they start at the beginning. And they're like, um, excuse me, Pastor Jim, do you know what's in the book of Genesis? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, every dysfunction known to man. <laughs> I always tell people, why don't you start in the Gospels? Now, I know most people start, start say start in John. John, to me, is, was, I've taught all four Gospels verse by verse, Mark a couple times, actually three, John is the most difficult for me because it has multiple meaning words and I have one of those brains that just goes like with multiple meaning words. So I just say to people, why don't you do Mark? It's the simplest. It's the easiest. It's the one that you'll touch Jesus. But read them all. So so Jesus is like, you know what? I'm okay with that. So then it says, verse 26, a week later, So what does Jesus do? He makes Thomas wait. He makes them all wait. They're like, he was here, where'd he go? They're like, well, what? This is no different than when he was alive. We could never find him. We're always looking for him. Maybe right now you're waiting on something from God. You're waiting and Jesus is definitely making you wait on purpose, he did the same thing when his friend Lazarus was sick. We'll talk about his sister at the end. But, but he says, oh, he's sick. They're like, oh, we gotta go help him. He goes, no, no, we're gonna wait and then we're gonna let him die so I can raise him from the dead. You know, sometimes God lets us wait for a whole variety of reasons. Maybe he wants to see how, what, if our faith will grow in that time. Maybe he is letting us see how weak our faith might be. So when he does move, we're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I I really do need to hold on to you, Lord. So a week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them. I love that about the resurrected body. And said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, now stop right there. What would you say to Thomas? what would you say? Would you say, I cannot believe that you didn't believe me when I told you I would rise from the dead? That's what we would say, right? That's why we call him Doubting Thomas. You'd be like, oh, I'm Thomas. I was one of the apostles. You're like, oh, you're Doubting Thomas. And he's like, you know, nobody calls me that here. (laughs) I'm just like everybody else. Now, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that to him at all. I want to I let everybody know. And this is something those of us who are older got to get it into our heads. It is okay to have questions. It's okay to have questions. Sometimes people say to me, where do you come up with this stuff from these, for these sermons? Because I write down as I'm going through the passage and I got a billion questions, I start writing questions. Most of the stuff never gets into the message. I'm just looking for the answers to those questions as I'm going through the text. I'm like, well, what is this and what is that? And so we need to let people know, especially our young people, it is okay to have questions. But here's the thing. Stop thinking you know the questions. You don't. I don't. The questions that somebody had years ago are different than the questions that people have today. And so we need to be willing to listen to people and let them ask the questions. Jesus says, hey, you want to touch me? I'm going to let you touch me. It's okay, man. It's okay. You're you're confused about this? That's okay. No overreaction from Jesus. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you think that. Maybe one of your kids comes to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure where I am with this faith thing. Well, here's the reality. We'll talk about this in a bit too. Everybody has to transact with God on their own. So they have to go through their time of questioning. It is a requirement. We all do. And so he doesn't get on his case. He says, put your finger here. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put them into my side. Stop doubting and believe don't you realize that's the place where Jesus wants to bring all of us and he's willing to put up with a lot of questions and a lot of sin to get us to that place there's a lot of a lot of us came to faith because the delay was there was a lot of stuff we didn't want to give up we're like oh I don't want to give that up I don't want to give that up I don't want to give that up and then the wheels fell off the bus And they were like, I don't care, Lord, I'll give it up. I'll give just help me. (laughs) And he was there. He wants to bring us to that place. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So the question, are you one of those people? Now, some people say, well, if I could just see like he did, then I would believe. Plenty of people saw the miracles and didn't believe. See, that's because... We got to flip it. We have to believe, and then we're going to see. I know for me, it was, I felt like I was living in a black and white world. And then when I became a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden the world was in color. I was like, oh, not, most of you know, I was 29. I was like, wow. <laughs> the world is a very different place when you're sober. <laughs> it's Very different. So just as the flames left no smell on Daniel's friends in chapter three, when Jesus was with them in the fire, the lions in death couldn't touch Daniel, the servant of the Lord. In verse 22, Daniel said it was because he was found innocent before God. Here we're told, the king said it's because he believed or trusted in his God, which is true, both. Daniel, like Jesus, was falsely accused, but what did he do? He put the whole things in God's hand. The whole thing. He just said, here it is. There's just some things in life that you just gotta just say, here you go. There's some things in life you gotta do your best. God has given it to you, and he's not like, just be lazy and hope that it's gonna work out. He says, nope, you gotta do this. You know, How many of you ever gone for a job review? And they go, oh, actually, you're doing a terrible job. And you go, well, I'm just trusting the Lord. Like, That doesn't fly, does it? No, you got to do your best with what God had given you, but some things are just out of our hands. The most important thing in life is essentially to know that there is a living God who rewards with the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven those who put their trust in him. And Daniel is teaching us the relationship between salvation and righteousness As we talked about last Wednesday night, there's a relationship between salvation and perseverance. That's how you know that you're a follower of Jesus, that you persevere. You continue all the way until the end. And what happens is God saves your soul and there's a righteousness that comes from the outside, the righteousness of Jesus to inside of us and then it's lived, Jesus lives his life through us. We don't live it perfectly, but we persevere all the way to the end, and then God protects us from death. That's what we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. A lot of people, they call it deconversion, but the question is, was there really ever a conversion in people leaving the church? Hebrews chapter 10 says this, "Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward." For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So we are to endure, we are to persevere. Well, that's salvation. Next, we move to number two judgment. Verse 24 And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. Uh, Some versions say who had maliciously accused Daniel, some say that had falsely accused Daniel. Who are these guys? Now you say, oh, they were some of the other leaders. No, no, these are the real lions. These are the guys that wanted to devour Daniel. And they cast into the den of lions them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. So the lions were what? They were hungry. They were hungry. So what's the miracle that God kept Daniel from being devoured by the lions? Now, here's the king. In the Persian Empire, he has absolute authority. He judges them guilty, probably more angry for tricking him than anything else, and for trying to kill Daniel, who he wanted to be the prime minister or to sit at his right hand. Now some of you are saying, well, why would they kill the whole family? Generally, they would do that to stop the family from trying to kill the king, to stop revenge killings. So we saw last week there was 120 overseers of the whole empire collecting the taxes. There was three guys that were over them. One of them was Daniel. Did he kill all of them? I don't know, probably not, but I don't know. But clearly, some of them were found guilty for their rejection of not so much the king, their rejection of Daniel, who is clearly called the servant of the Lord. Now, that's the name that Isaiah had given to the Messiah already before Daniel ever lived. Now, just to satisfy some of you on this, Deuteronomy 24:16 says this, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. So there is judgment for those who do not put their trust in the Lord. But you know, a lot of you probably know people who've said this. They said, oh, I know I'm going to heaven because my grandmother prayed the rosary every night. Apparently Moses disagrees with you that everybody's going to be judged for their own sin. I had one of those grandmothers just to pray the rosary all the time. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to be like, um, hey, I'm here. Well, what are you doing here? My grandma. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Loved my grandma, but not going to say that. Not going to say, well, I'm Pastor Jim. Then like, who's he? <laughs> Never heard of him. No, I'm going to say, you see, Jesus, I'm with him because I put my trust in his life, not mine. I put my trust in his death on the cross for me. I put his trust in the fact that Hebrews says that he always lives to make intercession, always to pray for me. I put my whole hope in him. Sadly, these guys are judged for their sin, the truth of that, of God's judgment, is being discarded these days. I mean, it's completely gone from our culture, isn't it? I hate to think of what percentage, and it's extremely large, it's been discarded from our churches. You know what that does? You say, well, we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. Well, if someone doesn't know that they're a sinner, how are they going, and there's judgment, how are they ever going to know that they need a Savior? Why would you? Everybody's like, well, it all works out in the end, doesn't it? I don't know. Jesus doesn't seem to think so. Yet there's an interesting thing. On the cross, Jesus says this, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I mean, what does that tell us? I think it tells us that we are not to find joy in the punishment or the destruction of those who oppose us. I mean, some of you have some really, really obnoxious family members or friends or coworkers that make fun of your faith, don't you? I mean, they do that. And, and here I think Jesus calls us to pray for them. You see, verse 24 is a warning for rejecting the living God. It's a warning for, to not be able to say what Daniel said in verse 22. Daniel said, he's my God. That's personal. He's not, oh, the God, or God will. He says, he's my God. You see, until you can really say that, you're not going to go to heaven. He has to become your God, and that's through faith and trust in his son, Jesus. We'll go fast forward to the New Testament again. Mark chapter 12. Verse 27, some of the religious leaders didn't want to hear anything Jesus had to say. And Jesus said to them, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Another version says, you are badly deceived. You see, God judges sin. And on the cross, Jesus was punished for your sin and for my sin in your place and for those who put their trust in him, just like Daniel survived the lion's den, we will, we will rise from the dead to eternal life in heaven with him. Acts chapter 17, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the apostle Paul says, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed or ordained. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So who's gonna judge the world? Jesus. Actually, we're gonna judge it with him. So from salvation to judgment, we move to number three, proclamation. You see, the work and the power and the promises of God are to be shared. They're not to be kept. Remember we've said before, we are not to become a cul-de-sac of grace. We're not to be a street where you go down to your heart and it says no outlet, No, we're supposed to share this great message with people. So verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages. This is after what he has seen that dwell in all the earth. Remember, he was over the known world then. Peace be multiplied to you. Another version says, may your prosperity abound. Verse 26, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, in every part of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. And then he tells us why. For he is the living God and steadfast, some versions say enduring forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion
0: shall endure to the end. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by his name to change the world, and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.